Well, today I am joined by Michael Dewan Herrick. And Michael, you're a psychotherapist living in the UK, American uh, yes. originally. And you have been, uh, you were sharing with me that you have been working in ed, uh, counselor education and you were doing mm -hmm. diversity training for a long time before it got super woke. So you have a, a deep perspective on this. And you've also been actively sharing some of your concerns around wokeness and psychotherapy um, on your YouTube channel. And so I think that that's, that's really fascinating. And I'd love to hear more about that. And could you give a little bit of your background and, and kind of yeah. flesh that out for us? I'd be happy to. And first, and I said this before we turned on the recording, I just want to thank you for, for talking with me. And uh, um, I've been appreciating your work for a while. And I may talk about it a little bit more later, but you're really the one that pushed me over the edge in terms of deciding to go ahead and speak out and put things on YouTube. So wow, well, thank you. Gratitude for that. I appreciate it. Um, as I said earlier I, to you, um, I've been in the field for over 40 years, so I have a very long path and I have tried to narrow it down to the most formative parts of my path. And I think this will be useful if for anybody who might be interested in checking out my channel to know what's informing what's going into it, right? Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> I would dial back to 1976, <clears throat> excuse me, um, a 21-year-old young man, and I got interested in Buddhism and started studying and practicing in a Tibetan tradition uh, back then, and wound up with my, my teacher was Chagyam Trungpa. Some people may have heard of this person who passed away in 87. But I took my refuge and Bodhisattva vows in the same 79. And to just boil it down, there were two things that really were ingrained in me then. One was that um, from a Buddhist point of view, the whole idea of self and ego is a construction and it's our attachment to it that causes suffering. And the other thing was that um, to be compassionate to all beings everywhere, all the time, everybody, even, you know, any sentient being. So those two basic principles <clears throat> were planted in me early. Then I got interested in cultural anthropology and I got a bachelor's degree in that from the University of Colorado in 1981. Very interested in especially indigenous cultures and how cultures work, what it takes to make a culture, how they're different, how they're the same. And then since I was in Boulder, there's, um, well, I, became a mental health worker at a psychiatric hospital by fluke and got very fascinated in that. And there's a place called Naropa University. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's in Boulder and it's, it's a Buddhist inspired school and they have then and still do a program in contemplative psychotherapy. So I enrolled in that program and graduated in 84. <clears throat> While I was uh, studying at Naropa and working at a psych hospital, there was a clash in my mind between the Western model of psychology, which pretty much says that uh, mental health issues have to do with the breakdown of ego, 
with having a weak ego instead of uh, seeing through it all together. And I mm. was trying to reconcile these things. And I came upon the work of Ken Wilber's integral theory. And that provided me for a way to hold both in mind, you know, at the same time and integrate them. So let's see, <clears throat> I got married in 88. Uh, we moved to New England from Colorado and we had two children. I have two grown children. Uh, my daughter and my son are both in their early 30s. And I think the experience of being married and having kids really uh, challenged whatever kind of philosophical and spiritual bypassing I might have been doing up until then. Right. <clears throat> it was it was real life on the ground trying to provide for a family. So that was that was a big thing. I'll try to fast forward a little bit here, but I had a variety of clinical experiences when I moved to New England. Uh, and I won't name them all, but I just want to say that I was exposed to many different kinds of theories and modalities. Um, and because I had begun to study the integral theory, um, I was able to hold them. You know, they, I found a way to, you know, make sense of them. And uh, I was trying to think of a metaphor earlier. It's like, instead of integral psychotherapy being a competing uh, therapy, it's more like a telescope you look through, <laughs> through to mm -hmm. see the constellations, you know, in the sky. And, and each modality and each theory is like a constellation. And so they all have a place. All right, so let's let's move it forward a little bit. Um, so I moved here. We ha I have a fourteen-year-old daughter with with my wife that I married when I moved here to the UK um, fifteen years ago, and I worked as a tutor for ten years at a place called um, the Minster Center, which is a training school for integrative psychotherapists uh, it's affiliated with Middlesex University in London and one of the roles I had there was to teach a diversity module from say 2012 to 2017 and it that was a bit of a fluke that I got that job um, Looking, you know, even at the time, but especially now looking back, I have a, a white, cis, heterosexual male teaching a diversity module. I don't think this happens anymore, but somehow I got, I got the job and um, woke was starting to, you know, creep in. I think they had to come up with a diversity module and it was part of what was being required, but I don't think they knew much about what that would entail. And I wasn't given a whole lot of um, guidance about it, but a lot of freedom. So I created my own curriculum and I used principles of integral theory to design it. I'm really and, curious about integral theory as you're talking about it. Sounds uh, like it helped you to pull and thank you for providing that context for your background. And as you got to where you were, it sounds like you had a variety of different 
experiences and exposures to to ways of thinking about what it means to be a human being. And this integral theory really helped you to, as you say, hold hold all of those and be able to yeah. contain them. And so uh, one of my experiences in graduate school was that I felt like I was being taught in one way, sort of a sort of a basically a broadly person-centered way, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, there was this woke layer that was being added on, which was absolutely contradictory. And there right. was no attempt to, to make both merge. And I kind of don't want them to merge because I, I'm so alarmed by the reductionist woke view but you know as you're talking that's what i'm thinking about i'm thinking about these two opposing Uh, ideas so would you mind saying a little bit more about integral theory sure um probably a good place to start is to talk about what integral theory calls the four quadrants and these are four kind of basic lenses to look through and four areas for practice um they're built on a two opposites, the interior and the exterior and the individual and the collective. And I've boiled this down to a simpler language, which is it it has to do with the mind, the body, relationships or social life, interpersonal things, intersubjective things, and the environment, right? So Early in, in my career, I was introduced to the biopsychosocial model. And mm-hmm. it's it's very similar to that, right? So one of one of my videos, I talk about the different, I don't call them the waves of psychotherapy. I think that's a common way that people talk about it, the different waves. <clears throat> but I there's a way that we can identify that each kind of modality fits into one of these four areas, focuses on that primarily. For instance, psychoanalytic thought is mostly about mind, Um, but behaviorism and uh, the medical model in terms of psychiatry is more about the body. And more recently, we have body-oriented psychotherapies. And then family systems theory and working with groups and with families is more about the intersubjective dimension. Mm-hmm. And so the one that hadn't been developed fully, I don't think until what came along is the environment um, in terms of institutions, in terms of economics and social realities outside of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's where it fits. Mm, that's really the interesting. Problem, yeah. The problem along the way, and this is what integral theory points out, and I, I, I also want to mention that uh, I've recently finished reading uh, Cynical Therapies, mm-hmm. uh, and Val Thomas contributed to it and edited it, and I noticed her first um, end note in, in the chapter she wrote was um, about integral theory. And she recognized through that, that there's a a reductionism. You know, each, you know, new therapy that comes along tends to want to reduce everything to its its quadrant. And they want to, you know, reduce everything to this social dimension. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, 
you know. And so when I designed the course, um, I used the quadrants. I used them in terms of, and by the way, my premise in the course was diversity meant difference, mm -hmm. human difference, mm -hmm. and how that is significant in therapy. As time went on, I noticed that diversity didn't mean that to those who were talking about it. It meant race and gender mm -hmm. and sex. It was reduced to these a few categories. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas I started my my classes by pointing out the quadrants and saying, what is different about people psychologically? What is mm -hmm. different about people physically? What is mm -hmm. different about people culturally and socially? What is different about the environments they in inhabit? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, but then the other important thing that I feel I added, which is missing from woke, is human universals. Mm -hmm. right? How are we the same? So we're endlessly different, but we're endlessly the same as well. And so also use the quadrants to identify how human beings share so much. In I, terms kind of, of, I get a, a pang of relief when I hear you say that. I just wish oh, that yeah. that had been taught <laughs> that way when I was in school. It was so alarming the way that we were cutting things along these really crude demographic lines. It's so cookie cutter. It's yeah. so simplified. It, it it jettisons so much of what it means to be a human being, you know. Mm -hmm. And then it sets us up to be in division and conflict and uh, competition all the time and resentment and mm -hmm. shame and all the rest of it. I mean, the kinds of things I've heard you talk about mm -hmm. on your channel. Um, so I had that opportunity for five years and I, it was a three hour long class. And um, most weeks I, I, ta I taught two or three different classes uh, each week for five years. And I read hundreds of student essays. And what was interesting was that when I was doing the class, the seminar papers were there was a great range you know some of it had to do with race or sexual preference um but sometimes it was about childlessness mm -hmm. or having adhd or being short <laughs> or having red hair or you know it, there were there were all kinds of ways that people are different in all kinds of unexpected ways that that can be significant in therapy mm -hmm. Um, so I learned a lot from students, but at, at some point, probably be useful to say, well, so why did, what got me upset enough yeah. to speak out? <clears throat> and one of my early experiences was actually in this class. I had a student who was doing a seminar presentation that she developed about British identity or British culture. And she lived in a small town in the UK and noticed over 20 years time with an immigration, immigrant population coming in that the whole culture seemed to feel different. Mm -hmm. And she was just talking about how that felt. And she was, you know, raising the question, what is British culture? What is British identity? What does it mean? 
to feel that your your culture is changing, which I thought was a perfectly fine thing to talk about. But the reaction that she got from her classmates was very hostile. Um, it's like she stepped into something that was untouchable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't to have pride or attachment or mm -hmm. anything about your national identity or your your own, you know, white culture was, you know, wrong. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was quite taken aback. And I was so taken aback in retrospect, I wished I'd done a better job at managing the class and mm -hmm. protected her a bit, but mm -hmm. uh, it took but me- you didn't see it coming. No, I didn't see it coming, you know? Mm -hmm. And I've had a few other more personal experiences that I didn't see coming. Um, I think it was around 2016 or 17 that um, I put a post on my Facebook page kind of challenging the idea of white privilege. And I, I thought, well, this is going to be a little controversial, maybe, you know, not somebody's not going to agree with this. <laughs> uh, but I found <clears throat> two of my closest friends for years, one I've known since high school. And my own brother just went on the attack and pretty much disowned me just wow. for raising this. And it was like, whoa, wow, where did that come from? I had, I really, until then, I didn't realize um, how intense this was and what kind of um, pushback you, you get for just raising a question or challenging an idea. Mm -hmm. There's another thing that I, I want to mention, just in terms of what motivated me to do this and what has informed me a little bit further is in 2021, I was diagnosed with colon cancer, stage 3C and um, went through surgery and went on chemotherapy and had a 30% probability of survival. Just to you know, get to the point, I'm alive, I'm cancer-free now. Um, I had a test done that suggests I have a very low probability that it'll return, so that's good. But it really um, had an impact. I, I came out of that and it was shortly after coming off the chemo that I started my channel on YouTube. And I, I never really thought I, I could do that. I heard you say once upon a time that you yourself didn't really think of yourself as a, a, a YouTube uh, person or somebody who'd you know record videos. And so I didn't either. It took me a while to work it up, but I thought, you know, life is short. Who knows when it's going to end? I can't uh, hold back. I need to, I want to offer something, you know. So that experience of illness and yeah. sort of in facing death right. clarified some exactly. things for you and, and made you yeah. less afraid to say what you think. Yeah. And made me go, what do I have to offer? What, mm -hmm. what do I need to give before I'm gone, mm -hmm. you know? And then it was in, in July that I decided to, to do my first uh, 
video. And the title of the series that I've created is called Questioning Woke Psychotherapy. And again, this was, you know, you pushed me over the end, edge on this. Um, I had been following Jody Shaw also and uh, been hearing a lot of other people talk, you know, from Coleman Hughes to Glenn Lowry and John McWhorter to Jordan Peterson to James Lindsay and, and Benjamin Boyce. <laughs> uh, oh, by the way, um, my daughter, my grown daughter went to Evergreen. She graduated mm -hmm. before the whole thing happened, but mm -hmm. I was quite keen to, to follow that uh, given that she had gone there. Um, anyway, so I, I you know, in, uh, in July, I started this channel to mm -hmm. not just offer, the channel itself is on personal development, right? But there's this subset of it, which is about questioning woke psychotherapy. And I thought this is where I really need to stick my neck out. You know, I need to tell the truth, you know, as I see it. Well, that sounds like a really needed thing right now. There are so many people who are kind of realizing that they're therapy experiences have been really harmful for them because of these yeah. because of this ideology well yeah and we're you know as I, I know that you're aware we're going to be seeing more of this in the future particularly around uh transgender issues and detransitioning yeah. and yeah. Uh, i think in 10 years from now we're, we're going to need a whole army of therapists prepared to work with these people and i think we're going to need a parallel profession because i my my fear is that what the at least the last several years the cohorts that are coming out of the schools have been so indoctrinated in this way of thinking that it's changed what what a therapist is fundamentally it's like it still yeah. has the same word it still, still has the same label but the definition has changed and well, they're, so they're, there's, they're being turned into activists now. yeah exactly i mean yeah. That's that's the thing. Not only has woke decided to reduce everything to its own particular quadrant, but it has changed the basic intention of therapy. Yeah, explicitly. From, yeah, ex I mean, it was a little under the radar at first, but now it's explicit. Yeah. When you were yeah. teaching diversity, did you feel a was there a pressure? that you felt to change how you were teaching as you, as time went on or, or did that, was it still before things became so explicit? <clears throat> well, I think people didn't know exactly what I was doing. Mm. You know, I was just kind of left to it. Um, I increasingly toward, toward the end of it, before I gave it up, I felt that if I was really explicit that I, you know, there would have been questions. Okay. Um, In what way? What do you mean by that? Well, what about intersectionality? What about white privilege? What about Robin D'Angelo? What about, you know, um, focusing more on race, you know? So those things uh, were starting to be in your awareness and that was your, you were oh, starting yeah. to be aware that, that that was an expectation of a diversity course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you but were- were you just 
sort of sidestepping that at the time and and trying to avoid getting into that confrontation over uh, pedagogy yeah pretty much pretty much uh i didn't feel any really hot <laughs> breath on my shoulder about it but i was aware you know okay. that i wasn't following the the usual what was developing to be you know what it should be and uh you know i was replaced uh by a person of color who had much more of the kind of critical race theory uh approach and uh i think the module took a complete uh turn mm -hmm. at that point um The, when you describe that, the student who spoke about what it means to be a, a British person, what does it mean to be of this culture and the way that the class responded to her? I, I guess I'm wondering, what are your thoughts about that, that mental social process that seems to be activated? And we seem to be seeing it in lots of different areas right now. You can call it cancel culture, you can call it mobbing, whatever it is, but it's this really, it's this very passionate indignation and swift, um, like social reprobation that's just being poured onto the subject of, you know, whatever it is, if you said the wrong thing, did you say, like you experienced with your posts that your your friends and your brother responded to that same process it seems like i it's not just on the left it's everywhere i just experienced it because i tried to to voice some moderate opinions about a man in a dress and uh you know i'm watching oh, this activation I happen to that. i okay. listened to that by the way i think that's very interesting it is the interesting. man in the blue dress at the sinspec uh, yeah 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 no i i i heard you talking about that yeah, yeah. yeah and you got some blowback yeah oh yeah yeah it's it's pretty it's interesting like i'm just kind of watching yeah. it happen and well, i'm thinking this looks like this looks like i'm watching the same process of activation but it it and so it's not confined to some political party or, or anything i mean that's just silly to, to even think that it right. would be but but what are your thoughts about that process of social activation that we see well, it's it's complex. I mean, the first that I had was uh, Douglas Murray's uh, Madness of book, Crowds, Madness of Crowds and War on the West. You oh, know okay. that we've had kind of a pervasive. You know, maybe it started with Howard Zinn's you know history take on history, but in the Western culture, we've become ashamed of ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, for our slavery, for our colonization, and um, we can't take any pride in our in our heritage. <clears throat> it's really, you know, if you even make a peep about it, then you're a far right white supremacist, you know, and we are all anyway, right? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I think it has to do with wanting to be on the right side of the moral equation and, and being afraid that um, you're going to be caught out <clears throat> this thing about the man in the blue dress though really got me to thinking that on this side of it you know the challenging to the woke i think we need to be careful 
because we could be creating our own tribe, you know, and coming up with all the same canceling kind of bullshit yeah. that we're, we're calling out, you know, yeah. and that's why this is a bit of a segue, but I want to make sure I say this about my channel, you know, and what I'm trying to do with it. I have three intentions. You know, one is to provide a, a robust critique, right? And I'm saying a lot of the things that I hear other people saying, but I think I have a unique voice and some perspectives to add to it. But I also want to preserve what is true and, and what the good intentions are that are coming from the woke. I think that we need to acknowledge that. And I also want to provide an alternative, right? I don't think what we can, I don't think it's going to be effective to just go, oh, this is crazy. Let's get rid of it and go back to the way it used to be. Mm -hmm. I think we have to digest it, right? Kind of distill what's useful in it, what's true in it, and allow that to inform our way forward. Uh, I think we're going to have to, <laughs> Um, digest it and this is a, a principle in, in integral theory which is, is basically called transcend and include it's a developmental mm -hmm. process you don't just you know get rid of something you include it mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. but you integrate it in a new form mm -hmm. um, so in terms of the woke uh, what do you think what are your thoughts on what you if you cut through the process of how things are being pushed and the, right. you know, right. the way that the things that are so um, harsh and bullying and right. you know, there's a process and then there's the content. So what, what is worth right. keeping? Right. Well, on the intention level, from a moral perspective, I think there's a, a good moral impulse it, you know, it doesn't like injustice. It doesn't like inequality. Mm -hmm. It wants to challenge that. It wants society to be fair. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't want people to be treated badly, right? Uh, I think that's worth keeping. Um, I think there, postmodernism in terms of, you know, the, what's true or what's uh, intellectually useful um, I think postmodernism in its extreme forms is really uh, destructive and nihilistic, mm -hmm. but it does point out how we construct meaning, you know, and it does point out that certain forms of discourse can be um, oppressive. So I think there's a value there, mm -hmm. but it it's, it's exaggerated <clears throat> and this whole dividing everything into the oppressed and the oppressor where everything has to be kind of uh, you belong to either one or the other group and even with the complexity of intersectional theory you still wind up in the same place just a hierarchy of the same thing um, I think that's where it goes wrong that's where what needs to be called out but you know some of the ideas and the basic moral impulse, I think, are worth keeping. Mm -hmm.
Um, and I think if that can be a part of what we're doing in challenging woke, it'll be potentially more persuasive to those who may have reservations and, and want to preserve their moral impulse, but uh, in a more effective way. Yeah, that make sense? it does make sense. It makes a lot of sense. And I think that it's, it's refreshing to hear that. Um, I think that there's, there's so much that's so uh, divisive and uh, hurt and I don't want to use the word hurtful because it sounds like the woke language like we're you know right. sometimes it's hard not to frame things the way that they frame it but there's so much that's I think that there, people have been families have been hurt families their friends have been separated there's this this process of calling things out in this categorical way oppressor versus oppressed has been really destructive and oh, so there's a i think that there's a natural um tendency to want to reject all of all of it but sometimes some of the parts that i hear being rejected are even we we hear a lot of people mocking the concept of empathy and and compassion like it's just it's over it's an overgrowth of compassion it's empathy and so these kind of there's such a wholesale rejection of this <clears throat> that i think that uh -huh. we can throw the baby out with the bathwater and throw away right things that are yeah. not part yeah. of the the process that you're really objecting to but rather are just human elements that have been hijacked or have been sort of like if you think about the aristotelian virtues where the dearth of something and the excess of something are both um, are both a, a, a problematic yeah. expression, and what you exactly. want is something that's in the middle. So you want something that's you know right. on in the balance. Yeah, well said. Yeah, I agree, and that's what I'm attempting to do with my channel. Um, and I, I struggle a bit sometimes finding the right balance. Sometimes I get angry and really fed up, and I think it's just insane stuff, you know. Um, then I have to take a breath and go, okay, wait a minute, you know. What's a more measured way to respond to this? Um, and then sometimes I get too measured, <laughs> right? And I and I don't uh, put as fine a point on it as it might need, so. I'm in, you know, I'm kind of learning this dance as I go along. What is the content of your videos and the, and the, um, do you do like, are they like 20 minute videos hour long and are they on different uh, topics or? Yeah, different topics anywhere. I may have a few 10 or 12 minute long, but mostly they're 20 minute, 30 okay. minute long. Okay, so really digestible. Uh, yeah, and um, I started by talking about my first, one of my first, after the initial one, my first one was on diversity, mm -hmm. and I called it Fumbling Diversity, and it was saying diversity isn't diverse enough, <laughs> right? Yeah. This is what real diversity would be, right? Mm -hmm. And my next one is about um, human universals. So talk about that. Um, I made a list somewhere of the titles of my videos, but I <clears throat> I had one title, Propaganda, 
were examined how well goes about spreading its message and the kinds of deceptive uh, ways that they use language. You know, the Trojan horse of, you know, putting a nice name on something like gender affirming care. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sounds nice, yeah. you know, but it's not <laughs> really. Um, <clears throat> I did two on politics and psychotherapy. I made reference to that earlier. Um, just challenging the whole activism uh, stance for mm -hmm. therapy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I'm just trying to, you know, what did I do? One on um, um, disparities in personal responsibility, one on victim mentality, just trying to take different elements of what woke is promoting. Mm -hmm. and going let's take a look at that what's mm -hmm. that really about oh that sounds so useful <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. and then where i can i i say here's an alternative you know mm -hmm. i i have one i i had i have one that's on uh, can we have a, a civil discourse you know mm -hmm. um and propose a way to do that uh i also shared a um supervision format that I learned when mm -hmm. I studied at, at Naropa mm -hmm. uh, uh, that uses the four quadrants basically and um, as a as a way to think of clinical work but also a way to um, approach supervision and also as a way for supervisors to um, pay attention to all four quadrants, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, that sounds like a very, a very useful framework in a lot of ways. Yeah. Can you do? You, do you want to dive into one topic and give some of your insights on it? Any one particular thing that comes up that you think is particularly, um, particularly relevant? Hmm. Good question. Well, this, this is what's coming to mind. I did one fairly recently on uh, morality and ethics. Morality and ethics. M morality and ethics in terms of questioning woke, woke psychotherapy. And I elaborated a little bit more on what I, I said a few minutes ago about the moral impulse, you know, that there there is... Uh, you know, a good moral impulse, but that it gets distorted. And I, I bring in um, Jonathan Haidt's moral foundations to talk about different moral impulses. I talk about Lawrence Kohlberg's developmental model. <clears throat> and point out that this positive moral impulse gets kind of stuck at what, what Kohlberg would call the conventional stage, which is where you're trying to follow the rules and be part of your tribe and uh, you know conform to what's expected, what, what the orthodoxy is. And that this moral impulse gets a bit frozen in the woke ideology. And that the post-conventional stage 
according to um, Kohlberg, is when you begin to examine the conventional stage, you begin to have a little bit more of an autonomous ability to judge moral questions based on principles, mm -hmm. on higher principles. And that means sometimes you act morally by not doing mm -hmm. or agreeing with the conventions. Mm -hmm. um, and I like to think that that's what I'm attempting to do. That's what you're attempting to do. You know, you have principles, you know, that you're not willing to adopt this conventional uh, model and uh, subscribe to everything you're supposed to say and do and think and feel. Um, mm -hmm. So that's one of my, my uh, recent videos was on that. Well, that sounds fascinating. And um, I have not yet gone to your channel and watched, but I, I would like to, I think I will go over and see what your insights are. So thank you for sharing that. And if you yeah. have, I'm sure you probably sent me the link, but if not, we'll put the link in the description okay. either way. All right. So people can follow that. Do you want to tell the name of your channel as well? It's called people Attention. Who are listening? Sure. Attention Bazaar. Attention Bazaar. <laughs> or I think you can find it just by using my name, Michael Dewan Herrick. Okay. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Are we, how are we doing for time? Are we good? Um, been yeah, we're, we're good. We're good. It's a good time. We can, if you have any, anything else you want to go into, we have a few more minutes we could do, or we could wrap. Um, um, I am, yeah, I'm kind of curious as to what your, unless you had something else, but I'm, I'm curious as to what your thoughts are about where we, are you optimistic about the future? In regards to this issue, yeah, great question. Great question. Um, yes and no. I I was thinking, what might I say if you asked me such a question? <laughs> and um, I'm optimistic in the sense that I think ultimately this whole thing is going to collapse on itself. It's going to prove itself to be a failure, mm -hmm. and we'll look back on it. Um, that's my hope. I think mm -hmm. that will happen and there'll be casualties along the way. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that um, there's a growing number of people challenging it now. And I think that, that we need to, I, you know, Vel Thomas, um, I don't know if, if you have read uh, Cynical Psychotherapy or Cynical Therapies, but <clears throat> she says, if we can just make a, a place for this form of therapy you know and have it be mm, yeah social justice therapy yeah it's got its own little thing yeah. um maybe maybe we could do that you mm -hmm. know maybe we could do that i think we could need to get the accrediting bodies to um agree not to force it down everybody's throat <laughs> right um <clears throat> Yeah, I think that that's an interesting idea. I've thought that it would be, um, I would, it, what's alarming is these students coming out of programs, people will say, oh, well, Antioch is an extreme example. Their their uh, curriculum is more woke than other programs. And I, I don't know if that's true or not. I suspect that to some extent it is true, but I don't think that they're alone in that. 
but the thing is that they come out of there without any kind of special designation. So it's not as though you see this person gets a, gets some extra letter after their name that that designates them as a social justice therapist. Once they're mm-hmm. licensed, they're just a therapist like anybody else. And I think that it's dangerous right. to have whether that constitutes 20% of the field or 100% of the graduates. It, it's still dangerous to have them at large espousing things that are that are under the cover of a label but no longer representative of that label and unwitting consumers are still going into this process and getting a very different service yeah are you hopeful um about about where we're going do you you think we're gonna (laughs) come out of this the profession or the culture because uh, I think it's question. two different yeah, things. No, this is, yeah, that's a very good point. And uh, yeah, psychotherapy is only one little part of this. Uh, whole yeah. So, well, yeah, I think I there's know. kind of the trifecta of cultural, um, I guess, soldiers in this. There's the there's the medical angle. There's the the, the educational, and then there's the psychological. And so I think right now, all three of these are really fraught with, with a lot of ideology. And these are institutions, which are going to be big ships that are hard to turn around. And so I think it's going to be a long time before there's a significant progress on those angles. But in the meantime, the, the more people become aware of that, the more consumer pressure gets put on that by, by consumers flocking to alternatives. And there are yeah. alternatives. So there are alternative educational models. There are people forming their own homeschool groups, charter schools, et cetera. There's ways to avoid that. There's autodidacts that are realizing that they didn't need to go to university to learn what they needed to learn. There's trade schools, mm-hmm. et cetera. So there's alternatives to the educational institutions. There's alternatives yeah, yeah. to the medical institution to a great extent, unless you need an emergency. If you need something really emergently, you're stuck with uh-huh. mainstream medicine. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then psychology um, again, I think that psych- the, the applied psychology field hasn't served the people that it considers the worried well, very well for a long time. I think that young, uh, new emerging counselors, especially are just being funneled into or pushed into community mental health and working with people who are profoundly, um, afflicted uh-huh. with addiction or mental illness, and <clears throat> they're not being equipped to respect and care for people who have increasing as as this profession has increasingly become destigmatized and more and more people want to um use counseling to cope with the stresses and the difficulties of life at that same time counselors are being trained to disdain these people and to look down on them and to diagnose them and i i i, I definitely saw mm. that in my program where uh we're using a diagnostic medical model to label people who may be just suffering from grief or some kind of developmental process that's normal in their life for them. Yeah. So I, I think that there are alternatives to that as well. And that um, the coaching field, hopefully we can see, I see, I've seen a lot of good psychologists and, and counselors move into parallel practice where they're also offering coaching which is a lot more peer-to-peer and i think it's a lot more helpful for people who are not profoundly mentally ill so i think i think as we as we flock to the alternatives we'll 
put pressure on the institutions and and that will eventually create some shift but that's i guess that's my optimistic it's going to take answer. time yeah, yeah. And, and by the way i'm also a, a coach i'm a psychotherapist oh. and a life coach um and are you offering services now you mean right now no no <laughs> the, the <laughs> yeah. yes <walking>. please <laughs> uh, yeah no i mean is that a thing that you want to promote like do you want people to go to a website to find your services or sure okay. i can okay. give you my a, a link to my um okay. my website yeah sure okay um but you know in terms of the additional educational opportunities and alternatives as i'm getting older and as you you know recognize the new wave of therapists coming into the field i feel like it's really important for me to share and I, I need to while you know some of us older folks who've been in the field for a long time are still around i think we need to speak up we need to say this is what therapy has been and you know let's yeah. not forget it you know i have this this hope that we that they, we we can i don't know who we is i keep being very reluctant to take this on myself because i feel over um extended right now but i want someone to form an alternative parallel association sort of uh, a philosophical counseling mm -hmm. association that's not medically based that can can sort of offer a counterpoint to the overly diagnostic and medicalized sort of bureaucratic it's almost <clears throat> like the way that counselors are being trained right now they're they're, they're technicians plugging <clears throat> in codes and so well, something yeah. that's more existential philosophical something that's more not not based in this model and serves yeah. the yeah. the average person to whom you know counseling has become a normal expected yeah. part of life that you can avail yourself of well right but Diagnose. we need educators who will will educate within that because right well, because i think that I'm, i keep on cutting you off sorry <laughs> that's all right no, no. I have a lot to say. <laughs> yeah no i do i do i i think that my concern is that these students right now if you want a counseling education you have to get a giant serving of woke with it and that's causing that causes a lot of difficulty for these for people because it's it's really an abu abusive ideology and so you have to run this gauntlet of right. of woke education in order to come out the other end with a counseling right with counseling and, foundations. Yeah, and interesting to, ju to juxtapose that to the kind of over diagnosing and pathologizing of you know human turmoil, human trouble, right. you know, grieving, and you know developmental things to have to diagnose it you know yeah. that's a whole kind of oppressive system in its in itself and this is what i really appreciated about my training at naropa which was it was more about human problems it wasn't about diagnosing people and my work with windhorse integrative mental health services uh is a, a model that really took that to heart you know and and we didn't really diagnose people. We saw them as people who were struggling and we tried to have the most intimate while professional relationship with them that we could. Creating households and having teams of people 
spend time with them in the home, in the community, uh, people who struggling with psychosis or some other major mental illness. And uh, these models are out there, but they're not, you know, taught enough. Yeah, well, that sounds like a that sounds like a breath of fresh air again. Yeah, and you, I'm, you might uh, include a link to to Windhorse, you know, in the dis- description for the for this. Uh, if anybody wants to check that out, absolutely. Please send me any links that are relevant to this discussion, and I'll be happy to put okay. them in the the, right. the description. Will you tell people again where to find you? Um. It's a story that I don't have time to tell right now, but it's called Attention Bazaar. Uh, or just Michael Dewan hyphen Herrick. And I can I can provide a link to my channel so people can find it that way. And uh, <clears throat> the other thing that we don't have time to talk about, but I want to mention it. I'm this is wonderful to talk to you. I'm thrilled to have this conversation and I haven't had enough of these conversations and I really like to be more networked and more connected to other people. You know, I'm talking to people who share similar views. I mean, I'm, I've, I also supervise uh, clinicians and some of them are in training right now or have been, and part of what they bring to supervision is all this woke stuff that they're trying to navigate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've had people that I, I talk to, but those who, like yourself, um, I'm hoping that in time I can become more networked and connected and perhaps uh, interview people myself at some mm-hmm. point. Uh, it's really great to speak with people who see this issue similarly because it's very clarifying and uh, it's an area where there's so much uh, it's, it's the cultural, I guess, gaslighting is the, the most succinct word for it, but it it really does a number on, on you to have to navigate that. So I agree. It's really, I think it's really important to establish um, a, a group of people as a, sort of a, your own cultural reference point, your own sort of tribe, I guess, if you will. Mm-hmm. And for me, finding CTA was really important. That was an important thing. Yeah. So if you haven't gotten yeah, in touch yeah, with no. them. Okay. Uh, well, I, I follow their content, but I haven't actually communicated. So maybe yeah, you can join and there's members meetings. And so it's really, uh-huh. it's, uh, that was a lifeline to me when I was a student and struggling to understand what the heck was going on and it sounds like the content that you're putting out <clears throat> I think when I was a student I would have been overjoyed to find that as well okay because it's right. it's actually illuminating what's going on for people and describing how it's harmful and describing what the alternatives should look like so right. I think right. that 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 was when I first found I found an essay by Val Thomas in on new discourses uh-huh, uh-huh, and uh-huh. it was like a beacon for me. Here's somebody who's mm-hmm. describing what I'm what I'm experiencing, and she's articulating it so well. And through reading what she was, how she was um, writing about this, I guess I don't remember what it was entitled, but it was something like wokeness in psychotherapy, something along those lines. 
um, it, it really, um, it helped me to understand my own thoughts that I was struggling to articulate even to myself. That must have been, yeah. And <clears throat> I, I did watch your early videos on this and it really had a lot of empathy for what you were going through, you know, and the decisions you had to make and how you've managed to create a professional working life despite all of that. So parallels. <laughs> yeah. I do. Uh, if we're about to end, I just wanted to maybe end on a positive note. Okay. Uh, something that came through my email this week <clears throat> was uh, from UKCP, uh, United Kingdom Council for Psychotherapy. And they have recently made a statement <clears throat> about gender affirming care mm. and said that exploratory therapy should not be considered to be a um, conversion, conversion therapy. therapy. Good, good. And Excellent. everybody, you know, that it should be a right to not have to believe that men can be women and women can be men. Um, so I was really relieved because that's my accrediting body. And uh, they've actually come out and made a statement. And it, 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 I was so happy. I almost made me cry, you know, mm. just oh my god the sanity the sanity you know this accrediting body that has a lot of power and can influence so many people um has made this statement uh, it was it was it was just really a positive thing that came through uh, that's, this, that's this really yeah. good to hear it's yeah. very good i hope the u.s is not so far behind there's they are right now but i hope we can see some of that it seems like it's going the wrong direction here. No, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Well, hopefully, well, well, I don't want to take your positive yeah. note. And no, well, I'm not living it. in this anymore, but I'm following it, and yeah, it sounds horrible. We have the Tavistock uh, Clinic here that was doing the gender conversion, and they got shut down. You know, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm. you probably wear that all of that business. No, yeah, I'm aware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, lots of movement over there. Hopefully we can start taking some steps in that direction. Well, the UK tends to copy the US. Maybe it can go the other way sometimes. <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> well, thank you for speaking with me today and sharing. Well, my pleasure. Yeah, thank I, you. Thank you. It's been great to talk with you. And I'll, again, look in the notes under this for links. All right. If if there's anything you can't find and you still need, let me know, but I'll uh, send you a few okay. links. Sounds okay. great.